Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. <laughs> All right, well, we are here today with Lorenzo Gordon, and really, I don't know how else to describe what you do as he produces a lot of shit. Yeah. So why don't you, you know what, I'm not even going to bother uh, getting into the weeds on it. Why don't you go ahead and give us a rundown <laughs> of what you do and, and how you do it? Um, I'm pretty much like, uh, started out as a producer, uh, songwriter, and then... I just kind of got bored with that, and then I wanted to kind of branch out and just do all the things that I wanted to do in life because Pharrell was kind of like my model growing up, and he started doing BBC and Bape and all these other things. And coming from Orange County, only only point of reference that there was for success was um, No Doubt. Okay. And they did music. All they did right. was music. Right, but right, Pharrell, right, right. he was like, I want to make a toy. I want to make clothes. So, like, I kind of fashioned myself like a creative director like him, like, use every outlet for art that I have. So, it's mainly music and clothes and stuff and kind of pop culture. But, you know, who knows where that takes you. Right. So, in terms of that direction, like, how, what was it that occurred to you? It's like, I want to be like this guy. Like, it couldn't just be, okay, Pharrell comes out, boom, you're you're automatically attached to that that mindset. How... What was the transition for you, or, or what kind of pushed you in that direction? Well, I was always the weird kid in school. Okay. And just the weird kid in every area. Like, uh, I have family in L.A. County, like, deep L.A. County, like, South L.A., and I did not fit in there. And then my mom moved me to Orange County, and I was like, okay, cool. I can fit in here. Did not fit in there <laughs> at, at all. So I'm like, I'm the weird kid everywhere I go. And it just, I saw this guy, oh, my God, what was it? He was wearing, like, a... Uh, a pink furry like Energizer Bunny vest. Oh, they're talking about Cameron. <laughs> no, no, pre Cameron. Cameron copied Pharrell, and then it was um a Von Dutch trucker hat with like the mutton chops, mm. and he's a black dude making rock music. The first time I saw that, my mind was blown. I was like, "That's me." Maybe not the pink fuzzy because I can't quite get away with that at like seven or eight, but. That was me. Like seeing somebody who was just as weird as me on TV and actually doing what they wanted was, it was mind blowing. So like from that point on, it was like, how do I get there? <laughs> and all the mistakes you make trying to get there is kind of le what led me into like all the creative director roles that I've played. Okay. So walk me through like some of the first, the early stuff that you've done. Well, I started out doing music first. It was kind of like a love for poetry, but all my friends were musicians. So me being the the rebel, I couldn't be a musician because that's what everybody did. I had to be ironic. <laughs> Why? Uh, so because that's you, right? <laughs> it was, but it was such it was such a weird contrast because all my friends were like, "Yeah, I'm going to rehearsal. I'm going to go play the keys. What what instrument do you play?" My mind. <laughs> that is fucking weird, man. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> I'm just looking at you right now like that. I mean, he's trying to play, uh, paint this picture. He was in a boy band. Don't let him play. <laughs> it was not a boy band, okay? It was a it, it This was, guy playing his mind. He's like, I do vocals, really, yeah, though. You know, you know, on the real. It like, was high-pitched uh, high background vocals, but whatever. <laughs> no, but it was just, it was one of those things like, 
you, you know how uh, people say, like, explore your creativity because it'll lead you to where you're supposed to go? Like, poetry was a conduit for songwriting. Songwriting was a conduit for realizing I want to make the music. And then making the music, realizing it sounds like crap. I need somebody to fix it, but I can't afford it. So I learned how to engineer. And it's mm-hmm. just all these little steps that you kind of walk through and stumble through. And you realize, like, this is what it takes to have this big picture. Like, hearing an album now is completely different for me. Because when everybody's like, oh, it sounds like crap or it's this and that. And I'm like, I'm thinking about the hundred people that have touched this thing before it even got to me. And th- those are all things I learned just by watching a dude in a pink bunny vest. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's pretty, you know, I I got to give you props because a lot of people can't really see into someone else's creative endeavors that deeply. Yeah. You know, to really take it to that next level and to follow it to the point where you want that lifestyle. You want that, um, you want that mindset. You want that vibe because it fits with who you are as a person that's that's rare yeah i've never i and i can put it in my perspective i've never looked at someone and said yeah that's kind of what i want to model my life around i usually pick and choose a a group or a, a set of of people with very diverse backgrounds and i model myself that way but that's more like homogenizing yeah you are taking the the I guess, unconventional approach. And that's what's so unique about it because I think art, creativity, and all that, it, it is very unconventional. And the more you push it, the more unique and the more, I guess, captivating your work is going to be. Yeah. And like eventually you get to that point where you literally have to break from what you know and who you know because there's been plenty of times, even um, I've sat down with Randy, and I remember, I remember distinctly this one moment um, I, I was uh, I was at home at like 11.45 at night and this idea came to me and it was more so the rhythm of the idea and I'd gone over to a friend's house and Randy was over there like at like 8 in the morning and he was like so did you work on the song? I was like yeah I did Like, and I'm super excited about it right? because I hear the finished product in my head yeah. and I play it back for him he's like are you speaking another language? Like, cause it was literally all just mumbles and like the coolest cadence ever. But for me, like it was just that, okay, he does like, he doesn't get it because he's not like literally in my head. Yeah. So for, for any intensive purpose that you're going down a creative path, you, there's going to be a disconnect because you're seeing like over the hill and somebody's just literally just looking at the ground. And it's not that it's two bad places to be. It's just perspective. You know, and and think about it now, and this isn't a, a, a hit at where music is today, but the way he went about creating his songs. So we'd have the track ready. The music is done. He would go in and just lay over a, a vocal track of him just doing the rhythm in, of, of how he wanted. So do you, you want to do an example of how you did it? Uh, so... I can't. I I remember the track, but just not. So it was like kind of like a seven it's at ten minutes at ten and then it's on to and so like that was more important to me than finding the words. He's like the words will fall in. We'll figure out the words later. Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. He was nervous. He was genuinely nervous that I would release a song like that. And now we have songs like that. You're right. <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I see? I did not have the foresight to see where hip hop was going to go. But that's the thing. You don't need the foresight. You need to believe in who you're working with in order, mm-hmm. to, in order to go.
go there. You know, I mean, who the fuck knows where music is going to be in five years from now? But if I meet someone cool and I'm like, damn, that sounds awesome. How can we turn this, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. How can we turn this into something? It doesn't have to be even music. It could be it could be a painting. Yeah. How could I take those words and make them a painting? That's art, you know? Yeah. And then I just made music painting. And now everyone's going to make music painting. Shit, now everyone's going to make music painting. We got to make music painting. Ooh, ooh, Let's do that right shit now. right now. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that's art. And that's the creative process. And that's what's so unique about people like you. And again, I'm going to reemphasize this. I don't... <laughs> in, in relation to uh, Lorenzo right now, like I can't even hold a candle to his creative element, but that's a, that's a great part about, you know, my life and the way that I've been able to mold everything in my, from my twenties to my thirties is that I gravitate toward people like you because I lack what you have. And that brings me closer to understanding where you're coming from. And I appreciate it even more because I know people like you or yeah. you or you know randy or not saying keys he's not very creative either but <laughs> his fingers are very creative with a keyboard that's about it he he is very good at the piano he can win my heart <laughs> over with it <laughs> uh he can warm my ice cold heart with his oh. piano playing oh. yeah but uh, that is what is so special about now being in your 30s i think because we're afforded the opportunity to meet people. And now we've gone through our 20s where we've had that judgmental phase and we've gotten over our ourselves, yeah. our ego, and our lack of understanding for the unknown. And now we're able to kind of bridge the gap and say, okay, well, what, what else is out there? Let me go find it. Let me yeah. go find people that are interesting to me and lack or, or have rather the skill or the talent that I might not have. And that's so special about that transition for me. And this is completely my perspective on my transition from 20s to 30s and in the creative arts. I've yeah. always been gravitated toward that. I just, I don't have that shit, you know? It, it's a weird thing because I remember stepping into my first studio situation after leaving um, a very prominent fashion company. Like, it was, it was a stupid idea at the time. Because you're winning there. Like you're you and it's like, yeah, I'm winning here. I'm doing this, but like there's a ceiling, there's a cap. And with anybody creative, it happens faster. Like if you reach if you reach a point where you just cannot pass it, or every avenue, there's just so much trouble to get by, it stifles who you are and how you operate, you have to leave. So I left fashion at that point to go back to music. And I remember just being so gung-ho and like I knew how to produce, I knew how to put all these ideas together, but I would have tracks that were just like 80 tracks, like in one song. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just so gung-ho because I'm like, I hear the mastery in it. And everybody's like, no, I don't. <laughs> like I just hear, I just hear noise. And so I look back at it now and when I make music now or when I go like make a piece of clothing or I do anything creative. I literally break it down to the smallest common denominator. Okay, that's good. And I just start stacking, moving, and shifting stuff. And I find like in five minutes, I can come up with something that people are like, wow, how many weeks did you work on that? I'm like, well, technically, like I worked on it for five minutes. But like the real answer is I worked on it for like 10 years because it's not so much that the creativity isn't there. It's just the delegation and organization of it all. Because that's really all it is. Like, I was listening to Lemon 
And I was listening to um, what's that Snoop Dogg and, and Pharrell song? Let's get blown. Mm-hmm. If you listen to those, it's very simple elements. And like with Pharrell, it's all drums. With Timbaland, like it's all groove. Like with certain fashion designers, it's all this. With certain movie makers, it's all this. But you can, if you watch enough, you start to see like, oh, this is simple. Like I, I remember sitting in so many rooms, finally getting it. And like, I'm the only guy in there like with the bright eyes, like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> Everybody else is like, it's Tuesday, dude. But I'm like, I finally understood what they were doing. Even if they didn't understand how they were doing it, I saw it. So the simplest things kind of take the longest to actually get. But after once you get it, it's like, you're kind of chill about it. That's why I think it's funny being 30 plus and still being in the same position that I am now. Um, which is like right on the cusp of actually having what I want the way I want it and being happy. Because in my 20s, I was like, okay, I need a record deal. I need a million dollars. I need to have a house. I need to have this car. And I'm now I wake up, I'm like, do I have peace? Do I have food? Do I have gas in the car? I'm set. So with that new perspective that you have, right, being being an artist in your 30s and you've, you've developed your creative efficiency, so to speak, mm-hmm. what is it like working with, uh, younger artists that just still haven't kind of gotten there yet. And it's not like a, a knock at them. It's just they don't have the life experiences under their belt to get there. Well, see, I, I think one of the biggest things, even when I was uh, even working with you, like I was struggling with, it's not deep enough. It's not this enough. Mm-hmm. Like I need to have like more angst in it. I need to go through some things. <laughs> like it in realizing that in hindsight, it was kind of stupid. But it was just, like, misplaced um, intention. Well, I mean, uh, my argument to that is when you came in and we, we started working on your first project, you were already thinking three projects ahead and how this was going to turn into a three-album yeah. story. You know, so it's like you, you were already there with the depth. Yeah. You know, our execution might have been too safe or whatever we want to argue for, for that first project. But that was already there. You were already going in-depth with your work. And I think... My biggest thing, especially looking back on it now, I was spending way too much time on one idea. Because it's easy to make a song and fall in love with it. It's easy to do one thing and fall in love with it. Yeah. And you can toil over it. And I was actually talking about this uh, with some of my friends. Walt Disney, he saw Mickey Mouse the way we see Mickey Mouse now Mm. when he first started. When it was still like that two-dimensional drawing. Like he saw it like 50, 60 years ahead. But he didn't spend time on just making Mickey that thing. He just he he diverted off to other things. He he went bankrupt a couple times. He had a couple hits. But he he learned his efficiency by just doing other things. Like when I do anything creative now, I don't do it for longer than 20 minutes. Like I'll have music on my right, I'll have like a sketch pad on my left, I'll have uh anime on tv (laughs) like no seriously like and my mom comes in and like she'll see this all the time and she's like i don't understand how you can be efficient i was like i need to be distracted because when i'm distracted i'm not focusing on is this note perfect Mm. is this line straight enough like i'm literally just learning how my body works Mm. and what what my body wants to do but how has that changed over the past like you know from your 20s to your 30s that couldn't have been the case all along, right? How have you developed into this? It wasn't the case all along, but if you if you notice that 
you do something one way. Like if if I run and I realize that like I jump higher off of my right leg, of course I'm going to work my right leg out. But that that's not it. I'm going to work my left leg out. I'm going to I'm going to see how the rest of my body reacts to when I jump. So when I do anything creative, I just focus on where I want to go, what I want to do. And I don't try and correct it. Like I just, I do it for 20 minutes. I step away. I go get something to drink. I, I draw a sketch. I watch a commercial. And then I come back to it and I see if I still feel the same way about it. And that way I stay in touch with, okay, I did this. Do I like what I'm doing? Do I like how this is going? Do I feel like I need to change that? And then over time, especially like like I said, being in my 30s, like, and after having 10 years of mulling it over and being frustrated about it, I'm like, if I don't like it, scrap it. Mm. I just throw it away. And then I start something new. And what that teaches me is that there is a never-ending well of creativity. Like there's Prince. A, yeah. There's a never like there's never not going to be new music. Yeah. There are only so many notes. There's only so many colors, yeah. but there's never not going to be a lack of creativity. No, there's only one color, and it's purple. <laughs> I can't even do the Prince note right now. It's too early. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 what's it. No, it's interesting you say that because I think in our in my tw- in my twenties, I was definitely worried about not having that endless well. You know, I felt like there was only so much creativity I had, which is also why I started to pivot into the business side of things in yeah. case you know just to. He's covering his ass. Yeah, basically. Basically covering my <laughs> ass. Hedging your bets. Hedging that's my what it was. That's what I was looking for. But but going back to the being in the creative sense, and I think this is this is something that's different in, in two respects. One on the idea of the hustle mentality in our twenties, where like team no sleep and all that other bullshit that we kind of yeah. bought into, where we would work ourselves to exhaustion just to get to the point of the the release of inhibitions. So yeah. that way, you know, when you're sleeping and you're tired. You kind of don't care and you just do what works and do what's, what's happening. Yeah. And you kind of create, some, well, for me anyway, I felt like we create some of the most interesting things when we we're like half asleep. And oh, yeah. You know, but now it's just like you have so much more control over what you're creating. You know, you you know and you're very present. And you, I mean, granted, you, you like to distract yourself, but you, you are you are fully present in what you're creating. Yeah. You know, it's that's a completely different approach. But I mean, that's the thing. Like at at the end of the day, you have to get to a point where you trust yourself. Mm. And whether that comes through distraction, whether that comes through staring at a painting for an hour and a half, you have to get to the point where you trust what has already been put in you and just start honing that. Because there's there's a lot of people who have like dire weaknesses. Like I know people who have millions of dollars. And just can't do something. Like, mm-hmm. they can't throw a baseball. And they look at me like, how can you do all this, but you're not in my position? I'm like, because I don't want to be in that position that way. Like, if I want to be successful, I'm happy. Like, and that's success for me. Now, if I want to be rich, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother set of skills. And then that's uh, using that same 20 minutes at a time. Like, okay, how can I make $10,000 today legally? <laughs> have to throw that in there <laughs> no disclaimers <laughs> but yeah it's like and then you just start building the muscle and you start getting better at it and you start trusting your instincts more i think that's that's the big thing is i didn't necessarily trust my instincts and now i i am able to see okay i've been down this road before i, I have an idea how this is going to play out that trust is there i believe in myself the conviction yeah and what i see and what i can 
uh, doing what I'm going to do. That's that's completely different. I think that's something I think I take for granted now, but it's it's incredibly apparent in my 30s. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to say when you're 30, you just stop caring. <laughs> you stop giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah, like, and, it, and I tell this, like, uh, to answer your question about the young artists, they're like, well, what do I do to sound like this or what do I, uh, to look like this? I'm like, just do it. And they look at me like, like I'm an alien. Like, just, but how do I do it? I'm like, if you're a singer, sing. If you're a dancer, dance. Like, just do it. And when I'm in the studio working with um, singers or songwriters or producers, I'll kind of trick them. I'll get in there early, kind of like I came today. <laughs> and and they'll come in and I'll just be playing the piano or I'll just play them a song. And I'll say, hey, sing me something. And I'll have like a mic set up in the room or I'll have them go in the booth. And I'll have them just do the dumbest stuff ever. But some point in there, like at one moment, there's some magic. Yeah. And I'll just, instead of erasing it and saying, okay, that wasn't a serious take, I'll keep it. And I'll start building a song around it. So by the time it comes time to actually do the work, we've already done it. Yeah. Now it's just a matter of like, okay, what are we gonna, where are we going to put this? Yeah. Just the refining factor. Yeah. I've done that too with writing in terms of like having a really great thought and then you write it down and you come back to it months later and your mindset has evolved to the point where this is something completely different than what it was, but yeah. it's still really good and even better now that you've had time to let it sit. Yeah. And and can approach it from a different from a different perspective. Yeah. You can make something even bigger, even better, something that sounds or or can can speak to you in a different way, yeah. more or less. But that's that's interesting. That's a pretty cool approach to the creative process that I think um it captures the essence of creativity right there and then. Because like you said, Within that moment, you can find a nugget of magic. But if you hadn't gone down that road, you you will never have found it. Yeah. You, you would have never have found it, rather. Yeah. So we had we had visions of what it would look like to be successful as artists, as musicians, whatever the case was when we were younger. And you you've already alluded to the idea of like what success looks like for you has changed. So where does the evolution of an artist go for you now in your thirties? I think it's all about communication now. I think that was was the biggest hindrance. Because I was trying to communicate with myself. Huh. And there's nothing wrong with communicating with yourself because uh, it's a very well-known fact. When Jay-Z made Reasonable Doubt, he said it plainly. I made it for my 10 friends who know all these stories. Uh. When Nas um, made his first album, it was literally for Queensbridge. When Snoop made his first album, it was for, for Long, Long Beach. Beach. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just him. It was for him and his friends and the way they experienced things. And then you have to think of the residual effect, how people who look at them want to experience things. Yeah. So it's not about leaving it so open-ended that it has no point, Yeah. but not being so focused on one singular thought. It's a, a matter of if I mumble a song or uh, make a piece of art for somebody in Japan who does not know me at all, how will it affect them? Like, will they walk away like, I need to see more of this, or it's like, or that that that's that's cool, and then just walk away. Did you ever see the keynote? Did Cliff send it to you? The keynote with uh, Nile Rogers? Um, no, where he kind of talked about his greatest successes came from, uh, for lack of a better term, living his truth. He could only write about the truth. <laughs> yeah, right? he had, he had, that dude's catalog is deep, but like his biggest greatest hits 
or where he's just writing about real life. Yeah. And I think that's part of the hardest thing to unlock because when we're younger and we're writing, we're trying to appeal to sponsors. We're trying to appeal to, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to find money. That's what it was. I was, I was yeah. in so much debt at fresh out of undergrad and we're trying to figure, okay, how can we make money off of this shit? And then now it's like the most, the, the art that resonates the most is the one that comes from real life. You know, you think you're an isolated experience and that's not to, uh, that's not to shit on anybody's experience, nah. but it's like, it's a universal human experience that everybody can understand. Yeah. When you break it down to, you know, however you want to present your art. But I think that's, for me, that was one of the biggest hurdles with creating. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what album it was. Uh, <laughs> um, it was a Marvin Gaye song, I think. Was it his... Uh, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it was um it was the album he made when he was divorcing Barry Gordy's oh, daughter. Oh, Hear My Dear. Hear My Dear. That, have you ever listened that that is <sighs> one of the saddest pieces of music I've ever I felt like I was going through depression just like three songs in I was like it I can't is, do it. But I you, cannot listen to the entire album. Here here's my favorite part in, in my point in it. Um he it he was sitting in the studio and it sounded like he was sitting on a stool because like the mixing was just like so basic mm. because he was he was getting bled dry by his label owner and his father-in-law or ex-father-in-law soon to be and he had a cigarette and he was just sitting there singing and he gets to this point in the song is like attorney fees attorney fees this is a joke I need to smoke. And I heard the original of it. And like, you can hear a long drag of a cigarette. (laughs) And like, for me, I don't care how well-programmed your drums are. I don't care how auto-tuned. I don't care if you get the best singer on any song. That was my favorite music moment at the time because it was real. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't like, oh, I got to hit this note perfectly. It was like, it was a human moment. Yeah. But now in the world of polish... Now in the world of Photoshop, in the world of overmixed music, overproduced music, where do you fit into all this? I mean, there isn't. Quite honestly, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be point blank. There is no room for people like you anymore. There is no room. But you want to know the funny thing? Um, I by no means am I a celebrity, and do I believe in celebrity as we as human beings believe in it? the way that it it's statured now. Like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. You're so good at this. You, you're a celebrity. Like, I don't like that. And that's just me personally. Uh, there have been plenty of friends who want me to put out certain things, but I couldn't express why I, I wouldn't. Number one, it was partly being very scared of actually finding out everything about me. And I think that's just a, a scary thing in general, not because of of humanity and like being afraid of finding out who you are, but finding out the scope of what you can achieve. Because if we as people had to look at all the things we can achieve and are not, I think that would lead us to like a crazy depression if you're not already okay with yourself. Sure. But is that a mentality that you had or currently have? It's a mentality I had, but I literally had to break it. Recently or transitioning from 20s to 30s or is this like yesterday? (laughs) <laughs> it's it's a daily thing okay. it's a daily thing but no honestly i think once you hit a certain point in your life um and you do start it does happen when you get closer to your 30s like once you start getting out of your 20s and you realize i'm 27 i'm not a millionaire i'm not a superstar um, i'm not some ceo 
I failed. Mm. But then okay. you wake up mm. the next morning and you're like, it's Groundhog's Day. I have to live like this forever? It's like, no. Like, at some point you have to say, you know what? I made some mistakes. I can learn from them and go forward and see what's left for me. Or I can just be the manager at Starbucks until I'm 65 and just be miserable. So for me, it just became this thing where I just stopped caring. And not caring in the sense of like, oh, I don't care about your life, whatever, I hate you. It's like, I don't care what you think. I like me. If you don't like it, cool. Go listen to somebody else, but I'll be here. And the audience that wants to listen to me is going to listen to me. And then finding your voice in that and actually having something to say is even more important than all that. So, I mean, that comes closer to your late 20s, but if you don't catch it by, I say like 30-something. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it for what's it? For KFC, it took until the 60, right? Yeah. So, like, if you don't start developing certain things by a certain point, like, it's just a wrap for you. I think that is partially true. That might have been true maybe 10 or 20 years ago, but now with the power of influence and, and being able to connect to a lot more people than you normally would have, there's a lot more inspiration out there and there's a lot more of that neighborhood inspiration. What yeah. I mean by neighborhood inspiration, it's like, well, I look at a guy that is, you know, used to be close to me, but might not be close to me anymore. And I see where he's at. I look at my life and I'm comparing and I'm like, well, I could do that. Yeah, And that, that sits in the back of my mind right there. When I had that moment of clarity, mm -hmm. that opened up a door. Whether or not I walk through that threshold is up to me at that point in time, whether or not I'm comfortable with my life, whether or not I'm ready, yeah. whether or not that fear still hangs over me. Regardless of where I am in my life, that is going to stick with me. And I can choose to act on it whenever I want. Now, it might take me to my 60s, but that door is still open and it's not going to close. The way I think it works now is that process has accelerated. Yeah. Maybe because of social media. Maybe because now the pressure as millennials, uh, and I'm going to throw that word into the mix, the pressure as millennials is there now to um, meet or exceed my peers' expectations or meet or exceed where my peers are in their lives. And maybe that's the way that we work as a generation is by doing what we do and by way of doing what we do, inspiring others to do more or yeah. do better for themselves. Yeah. It might not necessarily be more or better than us or what we're doing in, in our relative to us, but relative to them, it's more or better. Yeah. And it might, for all intents and purposes, have restructured their way of thinking or their life or their mindset. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the inspirational part. I think like exactly to your point, by doing what you're doing. And I think breaking out of that mindset daily and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, that will inspire not only you to keep pushing forward, but others to do the same. Yeah. Because they won't have that inhibition anymore. And if yeah. by by releasing this vulnerability today, for for whatever reason, you're inspiring others to say, well, you know what, man, you know, I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Now I could push through. Now I could do it. Yeah. And it, it's a weird thing. I had this revelation like last week and I'm still wrestling with um, all the the finer points of it. I don't know where it was. Like I wrote down in one of my journals, the company you keep. And obviously it's like, oh, the people you keep around you. But I started really 
thinking about that. It's like the company you keep is not only the friends, but the energy you have around you, the habits you have. And the more you do something, the more it becomes second nature. And I I used to be a big practice guy. Like I would practice, 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 practice. But somebody told me um, on one of my basketball teams as a kid, like, if you keep doing it, you'll stop thinking about it. It's not that you won't do it worse or you won't do it any better. You'll just do it. So the company you keep like had a whole new level to me. It it just was like, wow, these are the things that I do. This is what makes me who I am. And and to my point where I said like if you don't get it, you're you're just you're done at some point. Because if you don't work a muscle out, like it's it's just not it's not going to be pressed. It's not going to get any stronger. It's like this is all I have to do. And this is all I'm going to do. And you're going to be 40 years old and you're going to say, hey, I'm going to try and play basketball. And you're going to be the old dad out there who throws out his back because (laughs) you haven't been walking around. You haven't been doing the basics. But yeah, it's just more so the more you do something, the more it just becomes second nature. The more it becomes second nature, the more it just becomes who you are. And you'll start to see fruit come from that. And it'll be like, wow, what did I do to... To, to deserve this? What did I do to get this far? You you just, you were who you were supposed to be instead of thinking about who you're supposed to be. Yeah, but that just doesn't happen, you know? That takes maturity. That takes, like I said before, that that fear to just kind of, it, it doesn't necessarily need to leave. It's still there, but it pushes you to do more than you're comfortable with doing. But it also serves as a constant reminder that, you know what, you gotta, you gotta make sure that what you're doing is true to form, true to yourself, so that you don't, you know, that you don't lose it. That's why I love bad rappers. Explain. Okay. A bad, like, <laughs> I, I need to learn more about this. He, it, Randy, Randy will attest to this. I've spent hours watching people perform. Hours. In the venue when I'm going to perform next or just watching them perform. And we all make the general consensus. They're not as skilled as they should be or as they think they are. But in their in their ego, oh my God, they're Lenny Kravitz. So like when I hear these, especially these young 20-something rappers who are just getting on now, making millions of dollars, their life experience is limited. They just got out of college. They just got out of high school. They've been listening to 50 Cent. That was their first album. Get Rich or Die Trying, uh, G-Unit, Money, Chains, Girls, all this and all that. So that's their reality. So that's success to them. That's happiness to them. They don't know that one day there's going to be a new young rapper and I'm going to be 27 and I'm going to be the old guy. And then I'm actually going to have to have some content. So I love their bravado. Like it, for all intents and purposes, I pray that Migos never leaves the hip hop scene. (laughs) That's just me personally, because they're not so much about verse structure, um, songwriting. They're literally just feeling good. Like bad and bougie, um, even what's it, motorsport? Um, it like their songs have to do with nothing in the same way two chain songs have to do with nothing. But you listen to them, and if you're not paying attention and it just comes on the radio about 30 seconds in, you're in that mood. You're not thinking about what they're saying, but like when a Kanye song comes on or a Jay-Z song comes on, or um just anybody, like 21 pilots, like whatever genre if you're thinking about what they're saying you're paying attention like you're not 
you're kind of taken a little bit out of the creativity because you're studying it now. Mm. So I love the bravado of it. And the only way that there can be a place for content is you got to sneak it in. And that's why I love N.E.R.D. Because uh, their first song, Something About Strippers, had nothing to do with strippers. People still don't know that it had nothing to do with strippers. While a Nike boots, nothing to do with Nikes. There's so many songs that have double and triple meanings, but you have to actually know the artist. You have to stay connected to their catalog. You have to stay connected to their creativity. Now it's like, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. It just feels good to say that. <laughs> it does. The song sucks. The song as a whole sucks. I will go on record saying the song as a whole sucks. You just shattered my world. Look, I don't. I, I I'm, full disclosure. I don't know what that is. Everything so. you said about the artists <laughs> have gone straight over his head. But that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it, it's. I, I explain it to to like my younger guys. I'm like, look, make the music, have fun, say mm-hmm. what you want to say, but understand that what you're doing now, if it doesn't resonate within a year, it's gonna be forgotten. Like I figure, like the best way to describe this young generation is Snapchat. Because it's here today, gone tomorrow, nobody remembers it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's it's not a knock. It's not to say like, oh, nobody's gonna remember you, you suck. But the content, it it doesn't it doesn't hold its own. It it doesn't last for longer than two days. Like it's always something new. Like you said, it could be because of the speed of social media. But then as creative people or people who just wanna make an impact on the world, shouldn't we think about things a little deeper? Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely, and I agree with that. So, what are you doing now? That's that's different. What are you working on? What what has inspired you to move forward now? I add a little bit of ignorance in what I'm doing. I add a little bit of fun next, and then I start sneaking in little little nuggets of, "Hey, you should try this. Hey, you should do this." Um, I remember listening to Lauren Hill in the Fugees, and there was one song she said, I add a motherfucker so you ignorant niggas hear me. Lauren Hill would never say anything like that on a song. And that's the only time she ever did it. But that moment made so many people listen to Lauren Hill. And they are now looking up words like, what'd she say? Let me get a dictionary. I uh, Before you you jumped in, I was gonna I wanted to do the parallel of, of Jay-Z at Reasonable Doubt, <clears throat> where we used to argue whether or not he had said anything significant from Reasonable Doubt to present day until maybe 444 where he actually got vulnerable again about his struggle because yeah. reasonable doubt was 26 27 years in the making it, that, that was his whole life to that point yeah and then everything else was either label obligation or just trying to figure out how to stay relevant and he was what in his in his late 30s still talking about random yeah. shit that was you know happening when you're in your 20s until 444 i think he's what pushing 50 now where he actually got more vulnerable with where he is, mistakes he's made, things that he's struggling with yeah. a- as a whole. But but that's that's the whole thing. Um, I, I love watching uh, Joe Budden interviews because I love his passion. Mm-hmm. His direction is is crazy. He can be left today. He can be up the next moment. He he can go in so many different directions. But I love the fact that like he actually cares enough to tell these guys like, hey, you're stupid. <laughs> you don't know anything. I've been in your position before. Yeah. Jay is like, if you're not on my team, <laughs> you're going to figure it out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to lose a lot of money before you get to my place. But 
it, it's just a matter of you got to change the climate. Like, mm. think about how we got from albums like Dark Side of the Moon to where we are in pop rock music now. Mm-hmm. Like, there have been books. There have been, like, at least 40 books you can look up online where I was when I heard Dark Side of the Moon. Tell me where you were with the, when you heard the last Maroon 5 album. <laughs> you don't know. Who's that? Exactly. Oh, that's a thing? I thought it sounded like a cookie. <laughs> a maroon, let me no, get maroon. a Maroon 5. Right <laughs> Pat, <laughs> <you got> cranberries. <laughs> Sankey's pass a Maroon 5. I'm hungry. But yeah, man, like, it, it's just a matter of, like, are you thinking about longevity? Are you thinking about being true to yourself? They're not. That's the thing. You're absolutely right. And when when you said Dark Side of the Moon, that is a timeless classic. Uh, the Wall, Dark Side of the Moon. A- name any Led Zeppelin album, one through, you know, whatever they ended up doing. <laughs> it resonates. Yeah. Right? It has depth. It has that. What about those things right now speaks to you in what you're doing in your 30s compared to what you were obviously not doing in your 20s. I mean, how are you going to make 30 stand out? What are you going to do that's going to take you to that next level and make this the best decade of your life, something that you could build on for the next 10 years plus? I think it's a a strategic throwing the spaghetti on the wall. Hmm. That You can't be strategic about throwing spaghetti at the wall, but explain. I I want to challenge that. What, What do you mean? Like, the whole analogy is, like, when it's done, right? Uh-huh. Cooks would throw the, the spaghetti on the wall yeah. to see if it would stick. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when the idea is done, it's like, okay, cool. What do I want to do with this? Do I want to throw this out? Like, like actually doing what you feel. Because our feelings have a lot more to do with how we should operate than how we do operate. So, I, I say strategic in the sense that, like, okay, this is a good idea. So I'm going to throw it out. Why are you throwing out a good idea? Because I have a great idea coming. Like, I I know I can build on this good idea. Like, (laughs) loud. (laughs) You're just loud, little boy. Um, It's like, okay, think about it like this. There was no Pazuki at some point in time, right? Yeah, it was a sad time. It was a very sad time, but somebody said, I have a cookie and I have ice cream. Why don't I put those two together? Now, every time I go to BJ's, I get a pizuki. Like Everywhere you go, you can get a pizuki. Exactly. It's, it's now commonplace. Exactly. Think about the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Who was the idiot who's like, <laughs> I have peanut butter, I have jelly, I have bread. Why don't I just try and put these things together? Strategically throwing the spaghetti up against the wall. And something will stick. It's the dumbest ideas. Like, post-its. They make billions of dollars a year. All the dude said was, I have these notes on a piece of paper, and I don't have a way to stick them up on the wall so I don't forget them. Why don't I just put the tape on the back of the piece of paper? Dumb ideas that aren't so dumb. But he just had a feeling, and and that's just what you do. And the more you feel, the more you kind of trust yourself, the more you can kind of say, oh, this is a dumb idea, you know? And you never know what's going to stick. You just got to try everything that's working for you. And, and that's really how you just kind of make 30 work for you. That's how you make the rest of your life work. I think still there's a big element of inhibition. Yeah. What that fear. What do you mean? That I'm afraid of what people are going to think. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of doing something and investing all this time, effort, energy, money, whatever it is, and not making it or not 
having something to show for it. At 30, there's so much on the line. Yeah. That you can't take those risks anymore. I feel like that mentality, and no offense, but that mentality is very much like, uh, I could have done that 10 years ago and probably gotten away with it. But now it's a little bit more of, and maybe that's why you threw the strategic in there. Now it's a little bit more of, I got to be measured. I got to be calculated. I got to be a little bit more planned out and thoughtful about what I'm doing rather than just, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I mean, even think about it like this. Noah looked like a complete fool until it started raining. I have no answer for that. Like, there, there's some things that you're going to do that are going to look completely stupid on the outside. There's some things you're going to do that need to make sense, but you just need to balance those out. And you also need the courage and conviction in order to stick to your guns when people are calling you a, a, you know, a crazed psychopath trying to build an arc in a in a dry season, right? Yeah. For for example, going off your um example, but uh it it's not that easy. It's definitely not that easy. I think like I said perspective is everything and context is is key. You have to have a a different relationship with fear. Fear in your 20s is like I'm not going to make it before I'm 30. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be a bum. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. And then once you live through some of these tragedies, especially in your 20s, you start to realize, oh, that didn't kill me. Okay, cool. So you just get better at it. And instead of letting fear cripple you, you say, okay, this is where I fell last time, to Randy's point. This is what I did wrong last time. Let me see. Let me go over all of the steps that I did to get into this wrong place. Where could I have fixed it? And you fix it where you can. And you just accept the fact that you failed in certain areas and you're just going to fail less and less until you get it right. But there is definitely more on the line, though. I I do get that. Yeah. And you are talking about refining your approach, which is very key, right? Learning from your past mistakes. You know, I I think what you're missing here, Turg, is that conviction is starting to be built in at 30 with all the things that have gone wrong in our 20s, right? And and having more purposeful steps. That's the thing. When you have someone who can go out on the line and knows, okay, what they're doing and knows the risk that's involved and knows them themselves and can produce a product, much to your point earlier about having the confidence and, and just trying to see, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall strategically, That that is a risky mentality, but it is a measured approach. It's it's a very measured approach, but uh, one of the key things uh, I definitely have learned over the past couple years, and it's been drilled into my head so like I finally understand it, is you have to ask yourself this question. Have you failed on the level you want to succeed at? Right. And if you haven't failed, like failed, failed, like John Favreau goes out to make Iron Man and it sucks, but... He was so ambitious and he tried to do so many things that somebody sees it and is like, I see where you were trying to go. Now let me help you mm-hmm. get there. Yeah, well, let's take even J.J. Abrams. He's failed. Yeah. I mean, Cloverfield wasn't a huge fucking success. It was one of the worst received movies in you know, recent memory, but it doesn't matter. He went on to produce... F- awesome stuff not to say that he's a you know fantastic director or anything like that i like what he does but i'm not a a huge fanboy to that point yeah you have to fail you have to know what you're about as a person because that failure will help you uncover so much more but i feel going back to my earlier point that 30 is a little bit 
you know, when you get a lot more entrenched in your life and, and invested, I should say, in your life, it's a lot of risk to take. Yeah on yourself if you haven't had that experience. Yeah. And look, I'm going to put this in perspective of our generation. A lot of people probably haven't felt that level of failure yet no. to the point where that fear is still going to hang over them and it gets greater and greater and harder to overcome as you get older if you haven't had that initial experience. Okay, so if you haven't had that, it's totally fine. My argument is that I don't think there's any more to lose at 30. And if you don't have something to lose, then... Maybe where you're at. Sure, where I'm at. No offense, but honestly, there's a lot less risk involved when you are only living for yourself than when you're living for others. That's the point I'm trying to make, man, because it's a completely different mentality because you guys are both married with kids. And it is not the only experience. And you guys are actually in the minority for the millennial generation being married and having kids. I can bring up statistics that'll actually say otherwise. But. Go ahead, bring them up. Show me. Sure. Because we are, millennials are the latest to get married and we're yeah. still the least, the, the lowest percentage of our generation has been married to, or to be married yet. But you want to know a funny fact just about our generation in total, as a, especially as a whole. We, it, in history, we, we don't take any risks compared to like, the 70s, the 80s, the 60s. We, we're not taking any risks. We have all of the tools that everybody has fought for. Mm -hmm. Like, we want uh, uh, the, the women's movement. They they burned bras. They did, they did all these things so that women could have a voice. Mm -hmm. We wanted education for everybody. We have the internet. We have all these things. And it's not a knock on our generation, but it's just, I think it's an overwhelming thing where we're like, we have all this information what do we do with it? Like, to your point, how do we effectively do something with all of this information? Because it's free now. Like, there, there are kids who I see and they wear like Guns N' Roses t-shirts. I'm like, oh, what's your favorite song? I, I don't listen to them. Mm. I'm like, you have no reason to be dumb now. Right. So, like, with us being in our 30s, we have literally no reason to not be as confident as we want to be because we can go to Google U, we can go to YouTube University mm -hmm. just in the same way that these 12-year-olds do, but we have a little bit more context and we have a little bit more freedom behind it. Mm -hmm. But we also do have these 12-year-olds in the room. We also do have right. the people we do have to think about. So I think it's just a matter of really trying to organize what your priorities are and how you're going to go about executing them. Mm-hmm. So did you find those statistics, Turk? Yeah, I did right here. And 59%. He's, he's, going, he's going to a new site because they weren't in his favor. <laughs> no, actually, that one didn't have anything on marriage. Oh, but it I, did I say saw one in four are parents. Are parents. But did you see the one that said 60% have children? It's yeah, easy I, still, I, still I don't understand being, those being two. I still think I being married is that different. And having children. Having children and having... I, don't, uh, I think there's the a big one? difference. Have a family? Being married or being married with children. Yeah, I think those are two very different places. Because if you could be married and you can take far more risks than maybe you would uh, w with having children. But I think that also goes into the human uh, experience. I think it that depends, just depends on who you marry. I think that's where <laughs> yeah, that, that's the one right there. <laughs> that's the X well, factor. That was your prerogative on your life decision. But I'm saying that yeah, I it think depends that's the overwhelming on overwhelming <laughs> majority's prerogative on that. It depends on who you marry. Now, if you have someone that's in complete support of what you're doing, that's great. But that 
it, there's a limit on that, right? You don't want to push too hard because it is two futures intertwined that you're fucking with now instead of just one. Yeah. I could fuck up. I don't care. I'll go back, live at home. It doesn't matter to me. If I fuck up, I fuck my wife's life up, and now we have to work even harder. There was an uh, there was a statistic posted, okay, on a uh, chat that I'm a part of for investing, uh, a chat room that that I joined for for investing stock, and the statistic was if you lose five percent of your money, it'll take you eight percent more of an investment to get that 5% back. Yeah. Okay. To break even. If you invest 10% and lose 10, or if you, sorry, if you lose 10%, it'll take you 15% to get that 10% back. But if you lose 40%, it will take you 89% of an additional investment to get that 40% back just to break even. Okay. Yeah, so everything okay. you said just fell on deaf ears. The point because, I'm trying to make. And, and look, and, and this is why it fell on deaf ears because you weren't listening again because you never listen when I'm talking. And it's irrelevant right? to what I'm saying. It's not. The reason I'm saying that is because you have to work that much harder to earn back what you've lost if you're taking unnecessary risks when you're married and even more so if you're married with children, which makes the approach to when you're 30, married or married with children, a lot more difficult to overcome. Uh, you have to be a lot more careful in your 30s when you're married or married with children than if you're single and just say, okay, well, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and, and risk it all. This is what you don't understand. This is your failure of being able to connect the dots for people with actual obligations, no offense, that have someone else to worry about other than themselves. It's very difficult. It's not easy to take those risks. And, and the mentality is, completely changes. And this is where I argue that. And this is why I think for for you, which is ironic because you took far more risks in your 20s than you do now. I think- the It's not ironic. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. You can take those risks in yeah. 20s rather than 30s. I did risks in 20s, also coupled with doing some safe choices. But I think now for me, going into where I am now, referencing Chris from, from season one, Chris King, where he talked, he told his girlfriend that there is a very good chance with the things that I'm doing now, I will end up broke or bankrupt. Are you okay with that? Having that discussion, knowing that this is what I'm about, this is what I'm working towards, and this is a possible outcome. If you can't have that conversation with your partner and they still be on board, then you are either deciding to go against what you want to do and go for, you know, pursue that relationship. That's totally fine. Or you're entering a, a new phase with someone that is also going to ride with you regardless of what happens for success or failure. Whether you fail or not, that was known going into it. Yeah, but that's a very fixed mindset, and that yeah. changes. It, it it changes when the shit hits the fan. Yeah, because you absolutely can, like there have been plenty times where in many of my relationships, uh, business relationships, you can say, "Oh, I'm okay with if, if it doesn't work out," but if it doesn't work out when the rent is due, when mm -hmm. the food is due, like when you actually needed that money and nothing comes in. Mm -hmm. Then that gets back to that point, the company you keep. Right. Because you don't know somebody until the shit really hits the fan. And that's when when your real you comes out. And that's why I say, like, strategically throwing the spaghetti up yep. against the wall. Like, there, there are times now that I'll just do strange stuff around my friends or, or in the circles that I'm in. And the people who are like, 
yo, yo, he's weird, dude. Like, I don't like I don't ever hang out with them ever again. It's not a knock on them. It's not that I don't like them, but it's like, okay, that's your threshold. I right. know your threshold. Right. I know from that point on, everything is not gonna be good. So you 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 kinda gotta test the waters at, at some point, but you never know what it's gonna be like when when it really fails. Because when it fails, it it looks nothing like what you thought it would. Right. I get that. And nobody and for me, does. So for me, for yeah. me, it's it's always just weighing out what's the worst that will happen. If this fails, There's we no don't get way. paid. Please let me talk. If I fail and I don't get paid, I don't make rent, I get evicted. Again, it's just going down. What's the worst that will happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Luckily for me, I come from a supportive family that will let me, you know, go back home if I need to go back home, even yeah. with the family. Right? That is my privilege. I'll t- I'll take um or I'll I'll uh, give the disclaimer of but for me, I know if I'm taking these risks, there is a chance, yeah. right? You being in the creative arts, you're taking risks with either going on this tour, not going on this tour, being part of this project, not being part of this project, that it may not work out, yeah, right? There, there is always that abundant risk in a creative venture because oh, yeah. it just may not hit, right? The spaghetti may not stick no. to the fridge. What? Fridge? Sometimes you throw it at the fridge. Okay. That's what part you, of that strategy. If you run out of wall space. <laughs> oh, you were saying raw? You were saying raw? <laughs> just throw, throw the spaghetti around everywhere. <laughs> You've been saying what this whole time. Just, make sure you know, just stay in this Because you're hungry. hungry. That's He's hungry. <laughs> but so I think, I think if I were to level myself, I think my privilege of having a supportive family definitely changes how I see failure. And what for me, what's the worst that will happen? And you have to always kind of navigate that and and look for what's the worst that will happen. And if that very bottom level uh, worst case scenario is something that you don't feel you could ever come back from, then yeah, sure, move accordingly. The, I always feel I can always come back from it. To to kind of pick up on that though, that is a measured and calculated risk. To say that you would think like that in your twenties is completely irresponsible because you wouldn't. We were taking those bold risks. Yeah. We were jaywalking across the street with blindfolded for yeah. fuck's sake in our twenties. And now I would never be caught dead doing that shit. It's completely different. That's a lie. For, and yesterday we <laughs> oh, almost maybe, died. Yeah. Okay, we whatever. almost died. A train was coming, and this dude wanted to race the train. I did you have a hot flash, John? I had a hot flash. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, okay, things change though. The mindset You're evolves. Right, and to your point, episodes ago, maybe last season, you have a safety net. That changes everything and, and not everything. everybody has right. that. And you were arguing against me that not everybody has those things. You are absolutely right when you said that. But at the same time, everybody has company that they yeah. keep, that they've chosen along the way yeah. that can get their back at one point or time when they are struggling. But what what I think is the bigger picture and what's the real safety net? Safety net. The safety net is um the real safety net is how you're committed to what you're committed to. Mm-hmm. Like what's your relationship with commitment? Like if if I know that something has the possibility to fail, I know now at 30 plus, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on how it's going to fail, when it's going to fail, who it might fail with. And I start setting up those fail safes before I even go in. Yeah. I start setting my mind up for that. So that way, even if everything does go wrong, I could say, look, guys, here's where it went wrong. Yeah. Here's how it happened. Yeah. Here's this. Here's that. I might not have anything, yeah. but I have perspective. And That's beautiful. And, yeah. That'll, yeah. And, yeah. and that changes even your enemies because I've had people who I've worked with 
um, especially doing live stuff. And this this is just my pet peeve. Like when you're doing a big show and you're not thinking about all the things that can go wrong before the show, and I'm bringing it up to the manager, the person who's supposed to be running the show, I I literally walk out. Like, wow. no lie. Like, I don't care about the money. Like, I, I do care about the money in a sense because I understand it's a tool, but I would much rather not be a part of that crash and burn because I've literally seen equipment fall, like, almost on people. Like, there's been almost lawsuits. There's been, like, fires and stuff because of electricians and all kinds, anything that can go wrong. Murphy's Law reigns supreme. So... If I'm bringing that up, if it's like, like you said, like, okay, it's going to fail. It has an opportunity to fail. Let me set it up where I can cover my ass right, right, before that. Right. And if you're not covering your ass, I'm out. But I feel really right there. That's the beauty of being 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've gotten to that point where you can literally almost like, um, who's a superhero that can, that can look, Aquaman. Look, look ahead in time. <laughs> anyway, no, not Aquaman. No, it's um, it's Doctor fucking, Who. Doctor Strange. That's Dr. what Strange, it is. Doctor, Doctor Strange. Yeah. yeah. So I, I or whomever. It doesn't really matter. But I feel like you are a superhero at that point in time where you can kind of freeze time, look at the future, look at the past, put everything together, and make a decision. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do. Yes or no. Mm-hmm. That's it. Simple as that. Yeah. And that's what I feel like thirty has gotten. Yeah. Us, yeah. you know, it's afforded us that opportunity. Without that, in our twenties, there was no way we could do that. What are we gonna? What experience are we gonna pull on? Uh, pull upon that time in high school where uh, you know um, I got bullied for my lunch, or uh, that time where uh, I failed my uh, term paper, or uh, what? Really? That's not real world. I think to to wrap it up, I think one thing about everybody at this table, Sankey's included. We've all seen some crazy struggles and and had some major setbacks. And even if we go into new things, new projects, new ventures in our 30s, say everything went away. Starbucks let you go and nobody else wanted to hire you because they decided to blackball you for whatever fucking reason. I have no doubt in my mind that nobody here is too proud to do whatever job just to make ends meet till it it makes it happen. And I think that's something I want to say. I do want to believe that everybody in their 30s is able to bounce back in that regard. Yeah. It just takes so much longer to my earlier point. It, the more you invest, the more you put out there, it, it's so much more difficult to, to bring yourself back up to zero. You know what I yeah. mean? But yeah, perhaps. I mean, even getting to zero, I'm just talking about getting from, from this day to tomorrow, to, from this month to next month, right? Not even recouping, you know, the 80000 that you might have lost on one investment or whatever the case is because, you know, I know you're in Bitcoin and they took a hit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know put that you're out there. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm just playing. Um, no, but seriously, I think I think the one of the biggest issues from 20s to 30s is management of pride, and and yeah. that's something that I think we all have a strong hold of. Like, if this doesn't work, and I put all my marbles into this bucket or basket, whatever the analogy is. Refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. If I put all my marbles in the refrigerator <laughs> because I thought that was a good idea. And it turns out that fridge was actually a, a refrigeration truck and it drove away with all my marbles. Dang, I can get more marbles. Deep. That is a dark analogy. Dang. I was just going to say you're discounting insanity. <laughs> like, because, no, seriously, like, there's, there's things that you go through that you think you're not going to be able to bounce back from. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that, like, the universe kind of brings your way because you're kind of bringing it on. Yeah. And then... You go through those things and you literally snap. And it's like, what the hell was I worried about? Yeah. And like, you just you just go from that point on and certain things just work out for you. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the 30 superhero. 
So we've covered a lot today. It's it's really hard to put into small wrap-up words what we've covered today, but in short, have you ever had a friend that just cannot see eye-to-eye with you on where you are in your 30s? How have you gotten to your 30s? What has really changed in terms of your mindset creatively, uh, scientifically, engineeringly, mathematically, from your 20s to your 30s. Everybody has different perspective. We want to hear from you guys how your 20s have really impacted your journey to your 30s in terms of where you are, what you're able to risk, what you're able to put out there, and how it's maybe influenced and impacted your vulnerability or your lack of vulnerability, your inability to communicate with others, or your inability to really connect with other people that share a similar mindset or a similar mentality just because you're too afraid or too apprehensive of what that may mean to you or how it might impact your life right now in the present. We want to hear from you. We want these stories. We want you to share your experiences with us so we learn, we grow together. As a community, as millennials, as a generation, whatever. It doesn't matter. Send us your stories. We want to hear it. Lorenzo, where can the people find out about you and everything that you're doing? It's Griffey on Instagram. Uh, Don't hit me on Snapchat. That's where I act the fool. Um, That's Griffey Majors. Um, Yeah, basically my my handles is it's Griffey or at SoFreshSoPrince. And we didn't even mention your podcast. You want to plug that real quick? Yeah. So I I do a little fun project with one of my good friends, uh, Andrew Apple. And we just kind of go over 90s nostalgia of Fresh Prince. And we just watch the episodes like we were 12-year-olds and just kind of break it down as adults. I love it. And where can they find out about about that? That's at SoFreshSoPrince or SoFreshSoPrince.com. Beautiful. And Randy, where can the people find you? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy Z. And you can find me at Turd Says No on Instagram and Twitter. And again, I'm going to cut Randy off because he burped. That's gross. You're a disgusting human being. You can find me anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> Just go to the fridge. Just go to the fridge, right? You're hungry. Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk 30 to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure to stop by our website at talk30tome.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. And if you really like what you hear, make sure to leave us an awesome five-star review. For Talk 30 to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. <laughs> this one's faster. <laughs> Way to be positive. It's only happened once. To La Bamba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably be arrested. <laughs> they can't track it. That's the whole point of a flag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that trail's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's more so just to get you in the mood to share. That's all it is. It's you know what I mean. Oh, I'm always first time Randy's ever prepared for anything on this podcast with those questions. First time, ever. because he knew it was me, and I used to. No, he sent it to, to everybody though. So don't don't feel special, right there. I'm gonna Damn squash it. that shit real quick. Damn it! How we, when we started with AG1 in 2008, mistakes we made.
and then how we're was 2008 was 10 years ago i i wasn't gonna say that out loud but <laughs> thanks yeah thanks engineer <laughs> lorenzo was the first artist i ever signed uh, to the label and then oh i'm sorry i'm still waiting on my checks <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry to hear that i, know. I, I got paid in bagels <laughs> I, got, I got paid in bagels and cookies but that, that's about it <laughs> It's not a bad payout. A lot of people didn't get even bagels or cookies. The ingredients cost money. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Turk Says No. I forgot my line. I forgot my line. There's two two interviews back to back. He's fucked me. He's fucked me like a cheat. Are you, are you cutting me off? I, I wanted to thank um, the Academy. Um, I wanted to thank my mom. I wanted to thank... Um, um, hold on! <laughs> Roll the music, tankies. Get this guy the fuck out of here. I'm on the Japanese, on, Japanese kicks with the laces, maybe. Strap the patent leather to the Velcro, maybe. Fly on autopilot haters. Your light look dim looking through my aviator. Mark Jacobs and such now. Had a town on the plane, champagne, then we touched down. Still in my zone, different time zones, cause the rhyme zone. Cloud nine, not dreaming, I just woke up. Excuse them wall as I'm buttoning my peak coat up And I'm fresh off the Boeing jet No, I gotta go and get Couple of the most for sex Plus a couple homicides Bet on the dollar sign You would never find a rhyme Kinda sore is mature in my kinda lime I'm for sure the allure is my kinda shine The weather changed under me while I watch I never change up the time on my watch Now you know, now you know How I roll, how I roll I'm Mr. International, no And if you want Sankey to speak, hit that donate button.